Well, we've been uh, studying the book of 1 Peter together. Uh, if you're opening in your paper Bibles, it's almost all the way to the back. If you're scrolling, just type 1 Peter up in the search bar and you'll find it. But uh, we've been doing this and putting together a list of, of the things that I like to call the essential ultimates in the Christian life. Uh, the things that should matter most for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Uh, this whole thing about priorities, it's always been the, 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 the nature of humans to, to place things in an order of importance and give ourselves to these things that we deem most crucial. It's just how we roll. Uh, like you've got favorite shirts and less favorite shirts. I order my sock drawer uh, by, by thickness. That's weird, I know, but the, the newer socks are at the front. The older uh, potentially whole socks, holy socks, they're at the back, uh, only in case of emergencies. <laughs> when God created the first humans, um, his priorities for us were clear. He, he laid out his mandates for our lives. Uh, he said things like this, have dominion over my creation, tend it and keep it. Uh, then he told the man and the woman to go forth and to multiply, to enjoy all that he had made for them. Uh, he just had this, just this one prohibition, just stay away from this one tree. And, and for the first two chapters of our story in the Bible, uh, these things that really mattered to God were were the things that really mattered, mattered to us, or the only things that we knew. But then, if you've read chapter three of Genesis, you know that all came crashing to an end. Sin entered the world, and it yanked us away from God's plan for us, and, and it left us prone to putting ourselves and our possessions ahead of him and his people. It wasn't meant to be that way, and it still shouldn't be that way, but alas, all too often it just is. So, the rest of history has unfolded and it's been shaped by God's gracious efforts to draw us back to his priorities and, and our on-again, off-again submissions to his call. Unfortunately, more off-again than on-again. Uh, but it's with all my heart that I believe that God ordains uh, certain periods of life uh, as, as, as times of reassessment designed to bring us back uh, to what really matters to him. And so it's been my contention throughout this whole pandemic, this period of shutdown and step back from our norm that uh, God has been calling us to run a check of our life's pursuits, to see where our priorities lies, uh, to figure out from him one more time what really matters. Um, hence our dedication in these most recent sermons to compiling this list of things that truly matter. We, we've, we've covered some great ones together, haven't we? Uh, we, we started off by talking about the importance of faith and, and, and we bridged from that into the, the, the understanding of how great our gospel is and what role it plays in our lives, uh, how important joy is and how we should live in that constantly, how our, our hope uh, is, should be fully in Christ and in his return. Last week, Travis reminded us of, of the importance of having a healthy fear of God, a reverence and an appreciation for the supreme cost uh, that Christ paid for our connection to be one and uh, given to us. Uh, with, uh, with us and the Father. Um, all of these that comprise this list, list should be included among our chief pursuits in this crazy world that you and I live in. But, but today, oh, today we get to add one more thing to our list. And, and we're, we're going to go back to First Peter in chapter 1, verses uh, 22 through 25. These four verses, uh, we're going to be able to uncover what the rest of Scripture has deemed as the chief priority in all of human existence, the, the greatest of our commandments, the leader of every what really matters lists ever. Um, I'll give you a hint. It starts with L and it rhymes with dove. Who's got it? Anybody? Yeah, love. We're gonna talk about love today. 
I love talking about love. Let's read about it together here in 1 Peter, starting in verse 22. Uh, Here Peter writes, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, here's the command, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Yeah, Uh, we're going to talk about love. It's all about love today. Uh, We'll see that that love is this one thing that the Bible elevates above all other attributes, above all other things that really matter in life. Uh, Indeed, we can say it this way, love matters most. It's true. But but you don't have to take my word for it. Just just read the book. Uh, When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, does everybody remember what Jesus said? He quoted a, a verse of Deuteronomy and said, love Love God with all your heart and soul and strength. And then he throws in a bonus track by adding, hey, love your neighbor as you love yourselves. That's a whole lot of loving. Then he wraps it all up by saying that all of the law and all of the prophets hang on this one command to love. Everything flows from love because love matters most. I had a busy weekend uh, last weekend as a, we remembered Memorial Day together. Uh, I took that Saturday prior to that uh, holiday and, and uh, spent most of the morning and afternoon uh, putting together a kayak rack. I think you're looking at a picture of it right now. Uh, a kayak rack for the, uh, the vessels that have been laying on the ground in my backyard <laughs> for about four years. Finally got around to doing it and uh, banged it out with my buddy Walter. We, uh, uh, we, we hand uh, you know, ratcheted in about 50 lag bolts uh, in the in the hot sun of my backyard, and and thought we were done, but then later my wife came to me and said, "You know what that rack would be great for? It'd be a great uh, hanging place for this bell that I picked up at one of the auctions I went to, uh, that I could ring for everybody who was out there uh, kayaking to be able to come in and and get ready for dinner." I don't know when that's ever going to happen, but I love my wife, and so I was more than happy to hang this bell. And it was, uh, it was she and I out there. Um, Walter had gone home. Uh, we were kind of uh, dangling off of this little stair-step ladder, trying to get this bell hung in the very you know, top peak of the, of the rack that you're looking at. Um, it was awkward. It's kind of a heavy piece of, uh, of metal. And uh, I was doing everything I could just to get the first uh, screw, lag bolt, uh, logged in or lagged in. Uh, to the to the wood, um, we had a, a, a neat couple five minutes, and uh, and finally that bolt was in place. She she said, "Hey, let me stick around and help you with these things." I said, "That's not necessary. This one bolt being in place will hold the bell in such a way that I could drill all of the other uh, you know bolts in and 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 secure it once and for all." It's kind of that way with love. It's the first bolt. It's the first thing that gets uh, put in place so that all the other things can come after it and hang from it. Now, we have multiple texts to, to draw from, as you can imagine, as we study our Bibles and, 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 and put love's place uh, here on our list. Uh, Paul, though, probably writes my, famous, uh, or my favorite one when he, he writes famously in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians about love. Uh, this particular chapter gets lots of run at weddings, and it's probably the most f- f- familiar of, of our verses on love. Um, but I wonder, does anybody remember how uh, Paul finishes this section of Scripture there in 1 Corinthians 13? Uh, there in verse uh, 13 of chapter 13, I don't know how many times I said 13 just then. Anyway, <laughs> he writes this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. 
But he says this, he says, but the greatest of these is love. Paul, Paul groups together these three incredible attributes uh, that, that we get to share with God and, and have from God. It's our faith and our hope and our love. Um, but and two of these things we've already highlighted in our time together talking about what really matters. But, but here's what Paul does. He takes love and he says, you know what? We're going to kick it up a notch. We're going to have love as our greatest of not just these three things, but of all things. He implies the same idea in the first three verses of this same chapter. Uh, read with me. Um, as he notes the futility of, of all things that aren't fueled by love. Check it out. He says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm a noisemaker. If I fashion any words, whether they be my words or words that have come from God, um, if, if they are not seated in love, if they are not said in love, then it's just so much noise. He, he goes on, he says, if, if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mercies or mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a, all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, well, then I'm nothing. I, I can know the future. I can speak authoritatively on the things that have been revealed to me. I can know all things, and I can have this profound faith, this, this faith that is able to move mountains, as Scripture describes faith doing. But, but, but if I have those things, knowledge of the future and of all things, and faith that's powerful and strong, but I lack love, then it's as if I have nothing. And then verse 3, it says, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, again, I gain nothing. He's basically saying if I, I humbly hope in God's earthly positions or provisions as I give up my own things, and if I, if I hope for God's promised future for me, even as I allow myself to die for my faith, but I, but I lack love, I, again, I la I, I've got nothing. Huh. Is everybody picking up what Paul's putting down? Love is the crucial ingredient in the Christ life. It's like the strawberries in a strawberry shortcake. You just don't have one if you don't have them. It always comes first. And all other things that really matter are accompanied by, or meant to accompany by, and, and, and meant to flow from this love that God has prescribed for our relationship with him and our relationship with others. Man, I, I look forward to ending our time together today reading a little bit more of this 13th chapter of Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, uh, but for now, I'd, I'd like to flip back to 1 Peter, if you would, and, uh, and just continue our study there of the verses that we read, or that verse that we read previously, uh, and increase our understanding of the primacy and the power of love. This might be a good spot as we move forward to pause and remember a little bit about this letter and who it's written to. Peter's writing to a group of first century churches uh, scattered throughout a region uh, that has now become known as Asia Minor. It's, it's northern Turkey, modern day Turkey. And um, in verse six, it tells us in, in Peter's first chapter uh, that, that these churches, these readers have been grieved by various trials. It was hard being a Christian in the first century. Uh, you had basically given up everything that you'd probably known, uh, your former religion, 
uh, the friends who still followed it, your families, uh, there was a good chance that they had, had uh, abandoned you because of your new faith. And so uh, here in this letter, um, Peter commands them to hold on to the things that really matter in life, in the Christ life, despite this turmoil that they find themselves in. Um, as I mentioned previously, we've had some awesome opportunities to cover many of the things that, that this book um, prescribes uh, for what matters most in life. Um, Peter has instructed uh, his early readers and us to have joy in the testing of our faith, to hope fully in Christ's return. That's verse 13, to be holy as God is holy. That's verse 15. And like I said earlier, Travis taught us about conducting ourselves with fear throughout our time of exile, throughout this period of, of trouble. Um, but today, as we've already begun, we, we get to learn about love from Peter. So I'm going to read that verse that we started with and, and kind of keep going and, and, and we're going to be able to understand what Peter's uh, position is on love. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the, to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, here's the command again, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For, verse 24, all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Man, Pete, Pete says a ton as, there as he surrounds this, this one imperative to love earnestly with a, with a couple reasons for why we can and should do so. Uh, but I want to start with, with the command itself. Um, Peter is telling us to love others with earnest love. Uh, earnest isn't a word that I throw around a bunch. I think it's uh, kind of used in reference to like uh, earnest money. Uh, but earnest means serious. Uh, look at the verse one more time. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, uh, he's pretty clear. The, 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 the command is obvious. We are to love one another in an earnest way, from a pure heart uh, given to us in Christ. Uh, for Peter and for these early Christian followers, and even for us today, um, what he's saying is, is what the Bible has been saying to us all morning. Love matters most. Um, even later in, in Peter's own writing here in 1 Peter, um, he does what Paul and Jesus did when they talked about love. He elevates it above all of the mandates when he says in 1 Peter 4, verse 8, above all, keep loving one another, here it is again, earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, in both verses, Peter uses that powerful word to clarify how we are to love each other. We are to love earnestly. That, that Greek word in both places is the Greek word ektenos. Everybody say ektenos. Not bad. Uh, which means to strain or to strive, to go beyond the norm, to take seriously. It's the same word that was used to describe the prayers of Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was arrested. Do you remember that scene? Jesus was praying so earnestly that he actually sweat droplets of blood as he prayed. Man, would that describe the earnestness with which you and I have loved each other? Uh, every once in a while, I, I cut myself shaving. Guys, you probably know what I'm talking about. Eleanor will catch it uh, before I leave the house that day so I can clean it up and not be embarrassed by the first person who notices it. Uh, notices it. But uh, uh, never once has Eleanor come to me 
and attributed my exsanguination with uh, an earnest love for her. Um, but that's kind of the effort that Peter's calling for, a, a kind of over-the-top sort of love that, that's marked by uh, a constant display of fervent compassion, uh, a, a constant commitment to the push and effort needed to overcome the unlovely stuff that lies in our love's path. You know, if you're like me, uh, you're guilty from time to time of giving love your very least. Um, we are, in those moments, the opposite of earnest. Uh, we love with lots of conditions attached, like what's in this for me? It's this lack of love, or worse, the, the presence of a lazy love that leads to so many breakdowns in the relationships of our lives. We, we kind of approach love and in the relationships that love is meant to be shown in like dirty dishes. Follow me. In our house, um, the dishes usually get done by my son Cooper. The rest of us just kind of load them in the sink, hoping that someone else will do them. <laughs> uh, if no one does, uh, we, many of us will sometimes, you know, we'll come to the end of ourselves and, and in a put out fashion, uh, we'll do them in a hurried way uh, with uh, little effect. I'm pretty sure the dishes don't get super clean in those moments. Uh, all too often, that's how we kind of approach the love opportunities of our lives. We, we wait for someone else to love. We wait for someone else to do it. We, uh, when we finally are brought to it, it's like a, uh, you know, this, this burden. It's putting me out. I don't want to have to do this. Uh, and we do it in a way that does not communicate love at all. Man, what would happen in our relationships uh, if we were to love each other with this ectenos love, this earnest love, constantly and consistently consistently setting ourselves aside for the sake of others, uh, making the effort to include and honor wherever we can. Man, I, I pray you've seen that kind of love in your life. Uh, I pray you go on to give that kind of love in life as Peter commands here. Because what, what would happen in our marriages and in our families, in our homes, in our churches, if that kind of love um, was the norm, where, where we loved in, in the way that Peter commends? Man, I, I trust that any kind of effort towards that end, to, to live in an earnest love, would pay off uh, as everyone involved uh, uh, seeks to bring a surrendered and pure heart and an earnest love. Now, can we see why love is such a big deal in the Bible? Are we starting to get that sense? It's the ultimate game changer in every facet of life, uh, the thing that ushers in all the other great things that, that really matter. Man, you ever wondered why it's so hard to do this? Why is it so difficult for this kind of love to exist in our world? What are we missing in our pursuit of this earnest kind of love? Well, thankfully, Peter here in this text is a huge help to us in clarifying how this kind of love should work in his intro and his outro of this command. Like so much in the Christ life, we're going to see it all depends on what we build these mandates on. If we build, like it tells us in Matthew chapter seven, if we build a life on the foundations that Jesus provides for us, it's like building on a rock. Things can flourish and stand firm, but if we fail to start the right way, it doesn't matter how meticulous and careful we are in the building after that. If we build on sand, things almost always fall flat. So here's the deal, uh, earnest love must be built on proper foundations, and it must emanate from right places in our hearts. 
Peter uh, is good enough to provide us with the legs that earnest love is meant to stand on. So let's talk about some love legs. <laughs> we are bipedal creatures designed to walk on two legs. Uh, we're not unlike the kayak rack that I referenced earlier. I don't know if it's on the screen again for you. Uh, but if you're looking at it, look down at the bottom. When we started building this rack, we started from the bottom. Uh, there was this uh, uh, light pole that had uh, held up a light on the land that we uh, now live on before uh, we purchased it. When we um, got into our house, we knocked it down. It just kind of laid out in the front yard for a long time until uh, my neighbor agreed to let us use it for this project. And thank you, Zach. Appreciate that. But uh, it became the base for my kayak rack. It's super heavy. Uh, it was super uh, long enough uh, or, or long enough for me to be able to um, use it as the base uh, for what would hold, you know, two or 300 pounds of kayaks. I needed that foundation so that the rest of this would work. Love needs the right foundation so that it can work the way God has designed it to work. So let's talk about these love legs. There's two of them. The first one is this. Love leg number one, we're going to see that Peter says it's obedience to the truth. Earnest love doesn't come as the result of you and I gritting our teeth and exerting our own will. Any, any love emanating from our own flesh will ultimately seek to honor ourselves over others. It'll turn into that lazy love that I was talking about and eventually evolve into enmity over time. So, so Peter makes it real clear. Earnest love is only possible for those who have been purified at the soul level by an obedience to God's truth. One more time, read verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Man, that's some tricky English phrasing there, isn't it? Pretty hard uh, unless you break it down. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with the main action of the clause and then kind of move out from there. As I mentioned already, Peter points his readers to the obedience to the truth as the purifier of their souls that ultimately produces in them this sincere brotherly love, this earnest kind of love. So for those of us taking notes at home, obedience leads to purity, which enables love. Now, scholars have disagreed as they've studied this text on what the word uh, obedience means here. Um, some see it as a post-conversion kind of sanctification process obedience. The kind that comes as the result of an already present faith becoming more Christ-like in all areas of life, including this area of love. So earnest love is developed over, the time, over time as, as we obey God's truths and commands. That obedience gets translated, like I told, into purity, and, and from that purity we are therefore able to love better. It's not unlike you know, the, the process that we might go through in getting in shape. It, it doesn't happen overnight. I read a story today in the news about a woman who over two years dropped about 103 pounds. Uh, pretty amazing to see those kinds of transformations. Uh, but it took her two years. It didn't happen overnight. Uh, but as she recounted her story, with every day of discipline and effort, she got healthier. She got skinnier. She got um, better and, and more excited about her process until it finally led to the results that she experienced. Uh, lots of the Christian life is that way. Uh, we uh, realize... Uh, who we are in Christ as we walk through and, and walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, but others, as they read this um, obedience to the truth uh, 
uh, idea. They, they see this obedience as being tied up in our salvation experience, not our sanctification experience. Um, it, it's, it's in our first time profession of faith in Jesus Christ that we receive this ability to love earnestly. Um, that's fair. The Bible often equates faith with obedience and, and even uses them interchangeably sometimes like Paul does in Romans in chapter one, verse five, and in chapter 16, verse 26. Uh, to be sure, our initial faith in the gospel, our obedience, as it were, to the truth of the gospel and our acceptance of it uh, does purify our souls. And it does clear away uh, for us to have this sincere love happen in our lives. Um, those who hold this position uh, say we just need to tap into what's already on board to have it become a part of us. It's, it's like uh, some of the apps that are on your phone. Uh, I have the iPhone because it's just better. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my iPhone actually automatically senses when I haven't used an app for a long time, and it'll just erase it so it doesn't fill up my, my memory with you know, uh, unneeded space. It'll just erase that app from my phone. And, and then invariably when I'm on a trip or something and I want to you know, use an app that I hadn't used for a long time, I'll go looking for it, and I'll have forgotten that I'd actually purchased the app, and I'll, I'll head to the app store to buy it again, and it'll tell me there when I get to, the, you know, to the, the space where you can buy it, you already own this. Just load it back up and use it. Those are fun things, right? It's like finding 10 bucks in the pocket of your jeans. Uh, but this is not unlike uh, what we experience in the Christ life. Everything that we have that we need to be able to honor Christ is already on board at our conversion, uh, it's, it's in existence in us and, and we just need to tap into it and, and, and see it realized in our life. So, so which is it then? Which camp wins? Is it the sanctification camp who thinks it's something that we work on or is it the salvation camp who says it's just there, use it? My answer, yep. <laughs> uh, I think it's both. I think it's another one of these already not yet pieces of our faith. Our potential to love earnestly and sincerely without hypocrisy, that's what sincerely means there, without a mask, without hypocrisy. It came to us when we obeyed the truth and trusted Jesus. It's already in here, but it's, it's also like a muscle. It needs to be stretched and exercised for it to maintain its effectiveness. If we don't exercise earnest love, we get lazy and, and we don't use our earnest love. And so as we submit to the truth that we've been given in Christ, not just initially, but perpetually, he clears the way for us to live as he's designed. That's what Pete's saying. We've been set up for success in loving earnestly by our obedience to Christ and his truth. So that's the first leg. Obedience to the truth. The second one, like, the second one is like it too. And let's go there now. Love leg number two. If we're going to love earnestly, we need to depend on our hope in the truth. Uh, let me read the, the rest of our verses, starting with verse 22 again for context. Having purified your souls, it says there, uh, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, it says, and its glory uh, is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Again, a bunch to chew on there, but let's just start by focusing mostly on what it says in verse 23. There, Peter reminds us that we are new creations born again into the family of God by our faith in his living and abiding word. 
when we put our faith in Christ, we uh, became products of Christ, renewed in Christ, made over again by Christ. Uh, we are uh, of his imperishable seed, and as such, uh, we are following uh, Christ. Uh, we who are following Christ, we no longer live for what this life alone can bring. We, we have our eyes trained on a greater hope beyond the life that we live now. Peter, uh, in verse 24, quotes Isaiah 40 uh, as a way of revealing the, the impermanence of the physical world uh, that we live in. It's, it's, it's like flowers, he says. They look great when you bring them home for your main squeeze, but eventually uh, they're going to fade and die. His point, uh, the stuff of this life ends, but God's promises in his word never do. So our hope in those things is sure. And those things will last forever. So, so you're saying, okay, Mark, yeah, you talked about hope a couple weeks ago. What's this got to do with love? Well, follow me here and see if you can agree. An earnest, pure, sincere, and selfless love is a super risky thing for anyone who is seeking to give it. Why is it risky? Because there's no guarantee that this love that you earnestly give will be reciprocated by the one who receives it. Uh, as you've probably noticed in life, some people are all take and no give. And for those of us who seek to love in an earnest way, this can be devastating. Uh, like Jesus, you, you, may to seek, you may seek to love others with this earnest kind of love and be reviled in return. And not just for a minute, for a lifetime. Think about it. Jesus stared down from his cross and loved those who were crucifying him. He loved those who hated him. Yeah, it's hard. Families experience this far too often. A father or a mother dies before ever um, returning their child's love to them. Or a husband uh, in a marriage turns his love away from his wife and towards someone else as he leaves. Uh, it happens in workplaces where loving efforts are met with condemnation and abuse by coworkers and bosses. It, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> love gets rejected on the regular. So how can someone be expected to keep loving earnestly when there's no love coming back in return? What has God given us for such situations? Well, in a word, he's given us this hope, this hope in his truth, this hope in what he said will be ours. See, we look uh, to that day as we love in this day. Uh, Hebrews tells us that, that Jesus endures the cross, Hebrews 12, verse 3. He endures the cross, the ultimate hatred uh, uh, that was given to him in return for his love. And he does it all for the joy that's set before him, for what's coming, the hope that he has awaiting him on the other side of his anguish and his pain. You and I have this same kind of hope as we seek to love people with an earnest kind of love. It's a hope for a better day, a hope for an eternal reward, uh, for a steadfast and reciprocated love that comes from the God who has saved us. It's a love that says, because I know how this ends and that God has got me, I'll risk loving you. My solace is the salvation that I've been given through the good news that was preached to me. My hope in God's imperishable, abiding truth is what holds up my earnest love for others. So there they are, the two legs. 
of earnest love, our obedient faith in the truth, and our hope in the truth that's been given us. I hope that helps us as we seek to go from this time together and, and love people in this earnest way that God has called us to. Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't pause for just a second and take us back to 1 Corinthians 13 and remind us of what this love that we've been called to looks like. Everybody ready for a real quick love review as we close? Here's what those verses that are so familiar say to us about love. In verse four of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast, it's not about self. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. Love never fails. As I was reading those verses, uh, did you picture some times maybe in your relationships when you're doing those things that love is not? Where you're rude and arrogant, where you're unkind and impatient, where you're distrusting and um, uh, not uh, sticking with the person you're supposed to love, where you're um, just loving for all the wrong reasons. Um, here's my prayer for us. It's the same command that, that Pete has for us that I read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 4. My, my prayer for us is that above all, we would keep loving one another earnestly in obedience to the truth that we've received in Christ, in hope uh, through the truth that we've received in Christ, may we uh, give our all to this thing that matters most, love. May we love God. May we love others so that God gets the glory and we get his best in our life. Will you pray with me as we close? Lord, I'm so grateful for a chance to talk about this all-important thing, love. It is uh, thrown around in our culture in so many ways. Uh, we can... Uh, say that we love pizza and tacos and with the same word, say that we love you and others. Uh, but God, we, we thank you that your word uh, clarifies for us what the, the kind of love is that you, you require of us, that you hope for us to have in our relationships with you and each other. And I, I pray that we would go beyond lazy love and uh, we would love earnestly today. Uh, that if there needs to be uh, forgiveness sought in our relationships, if there needs to be a, a renewal of our commitment to love in our relationships, that you'd make that obvious to the people who are uh, bowing with me and praying with me wherever they are right now. Uh, Lord, I, I, uh, I know that love wins, that love never ends, that love never fails, uh, that love is what took you to the cross, Jesus, uh, that love is, is what uh, uh, caused your grace and mercy to be lavished on us after the fall. Uh, that love is what will bring you back to take us home with you. Uh, love stirs the drink. Love is the, uh, the, the thing that everything else hangs from in life. And so, Lord, would you make us like you in your love? Would you help us 
to love earnestly from a pure heart, I pray, in every relationship. In Jesus' name, amen.